But what is religion good for, dangling prepositions and all? I think of the Edwin Starr song, War of <laughs> What is it good for? That's it. I hope that's not true for religion generally. Um, you know, but when we think of religions, we, I don't know about you, but it seems to me that I've heard any number of times along the course of my life that religion was the cause of most of the war in the world. Well, the Huffington Post, not a conservative necessarily publication, um, had an article from Rabbi Alan Lurie that said in their recently published book, Encyclopedia of Wars, author Charles Phillips and Alan Axelrod document the history of recorded war and from their list of 1,763 wars, only 123 have been classified to involve a religious cause. According, uh, accounting for less than 7% of all wars and less than 2% of all the people killed in warfare. That doesn't sound right, does it? While, for example, it's estimated that approximately one to three million people were tragically killed in the Crusades, and perhaps 3,000 in the Inquisition, nearly 35 million soldiers and civilians died in the senseless and secular slaughter of World War I alone. So history simply does not support the hypothesis that religion is the major cause of conflict. The wars of the ancient world were rarely, if ever, based on religion. These wars were for territorial conquest, to control political authority. In fact, the ancient conquerors, whether Egyptian, Babylonian, Persian, Greek, or Roman, openly welcomed the religious beliefs of those they conquered and often added the new gods to their own pantheon. So, it may be good for war, but it's not as good for it as we thought. And, you know, I said the dangling preposition and all, so the word for, what is religion for, opens up what's it good for, opens up a whole lot of possibilities just in that preposition. I mean, th there were 10 definitions for four without going in depth about them. I, uh, to indicate purpose, to indicate intended goal, indicate the object or recipient of a, a perception, desire, or activity. There are examples of all of these, but I won't go into that. Um, uh, to indicate an actual or implied enumeration of something. Because of. To indicate suitability or fitness. In place of. On behalf of. In favor of. In spite of. With respect to. 
in it, uh, to indicate equivalent in exchange, this for that. Uh, to indicate number of attempts, zero for four. Uh, to indicate duration or time or extent of space gone for two days. Uh, in honor of, like named for her grandmother. I mean, all of, all of these have examples, but for, if religion is good for any of these things, it can serve a whole lot of purposes that we don't usually ascribe to religion, I think. Um, but, you know, the, the big religions generally try to answer the big questions, right? Where do we come from? What are we, where are we going? There's a song that's in one of our hymnals. <coughs> mystery, mystery, life is a secret and a riddle and a mystery. Generally, religions frame answers to some of those great questions of life. Um, for us by giving some sort of a template for understanding things that are really outside of our understanding. They also have a purpose of trying to help us grow uh, morally, like that Four Noble Truths in the Eightfold Path, I mean, right living, right speech, right work, right, all of these things trying to help us, that's, that's from the Buddhist tradition. Um, trying to help us become better people, to grow more. Uh, and in Buddhism and Hinduism, the biggest point of it is to relieve suffering. Well, I think that would be also true in other traditions, but they go about it in very different ways. Um, you know, if we're trying to answer things like what preceded the Big Bang, if you're a Big Bang, you know, hold that solution as the solution or the answer to a lot of the questions. Uh, was there anything divine, sacred, ultimate direction, uh, intention, intentional, or goal-oriented uh, underlying existence as we know it, as it came about. What should we do? How ought we to live? How do we find our place and purpose and wholeness? And how do we enter relationship with all of that, which is including the people and the other things that we cannot fully understand. In Richard Rohr's newest book, The Universal Christ, he writes, most of the perennial traditions have offered explanations and they usually go something like this. Everything that exists in the material world, in material form, is the offspring of some primal source, which originally existed only as, he said spirit, and I put in parenthesis, or other than material, as we understand material. He goes on to say this infinite primal source somehow poured itself 
into finite visible forms, creating everything from rocks to water, plants, organisms, animals, and human beings, everything that we see with our eyes. Now, the Taoist tradition and our responsive reading is saying the same thing. It's only words that make things seem separate. They're all one, in essence. So, in uh, trying to figure out what religion might be good for, there was a Psychology Today magazine that talked about whether religion actually played into well-being. And I'm happy to report that if you go to church twice a week or more, it's as good for you as having regular exercise. <laughs> That's what their stats showed them. They, they, they ran um, tests on people that, you know, uh, did ex like did exercise and people that went didn't go to church, people that went to church once a week, people that went to church a couple of times a week. And their stats bore out that the people who actually attended church more than once a week were healthier and lived longer. <laughs> You're here, aren't you? <laughs> I think that's pretty awesome. <clears throat> About 68% of published studies on that topic have found a link between um, attending religious services, participating in a religious community, and well-being, good health. The results revealed an 18% reduction in the risk of dying. 18%? <laughs> Uh, during the people who attended church once a week and 30% among those who attended more than once. Wow. <laughs> and so a lot of the world's traditions inspire us to move into healthier practices also like the Ayurvedic medicine and, and um, the Hindu tradition and um, all of the things that Buddhism does to ask us to be more healthy um, and become more mindful of all of our practices. The Psychology Today article also said that spiritual, oh, 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 you know, it was talking about the difference between those people who say they're spiritual but not religious, but that the lines are pretty blurry. Um, engagement in an organized community um, and actually having regular spiritual practices are different aspects of spirit, spiritual life or spiritual growth, and they can feed different pieces of it, but the fact that both of them play into your health and both of them play into your, what they said are enhanced coping skills, unless you're at odds with your religion, which adds anxiety and adds stress. Now, uh, 
I would point out, as noted in the Idiot's Guide to World Religions, that ultimately the great faiths counsel all of us towards childlike simplicity. Stepping somehow out of this deep I don't even know what to call it. It's permeating. It's our it's our it's our intellectual pursuits, it's our it's our thoughts, it's our uh, it's our struggles to control our environment and the world. Speaking truth to power is important. Acting for justice in the world and standing in solidarity with the people who would be impressed, all, uh, oppressed, all of that is really important. But none of that is how you bolster your own spiritual condition in order to do those things better. And all of the, all of the major religions have some form of asking us to develop practices that carry us beyond that. Letting go into something that is other than us, even if it's nothing. If it's indescribable, if it, if it can't be pointed to as existing at all. Uh, the, art, uh, the Idiot's Guide said, Ultimately, the Great Faiths Council, childlike simplicity, rather than overbearing intellect or rigorous logic, um, childlike simplicity is required for true union with the divine. And I would think that by union with the divine, they're referring more generally to an experience in this skin and this lifetime of the feeling of wholeness. And just touching on that intermittently can make such an incredible difference in our underlying contentment. Um, a sense of, of not being futile and useless and lost and, and um, overpowered. The Today in the adult RE class, uh, we had some video that Miss Susan brought with the Dalai Lama um, and readings that asked us, even in contentious places, to bring love to the opportunity. There was a rabbi um, who was talking about going in a particular community in South Africa um, to try to meet with the religious group in that area that was the most inflexible. And he talked about that that person started, uh, the rabbi said, I came to try to get you to be a part of this conversation for um, like peace with multiple faiths and I think you need to be a part of that conversation and the other person said I'm sorry I want to leave, let you know right at the start I don't agree with you I can't um, 
I, I think that you are lost, that the only thing that will save you is belief in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And um, the rabbi said, well, thank you. If you come participate in this, you'll have a whole lot more opportunities to try to convert me. <laughs> he didn't get defensive. He didn't try to tell him he was wrong. He did. I mean, the 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 deal was he stayed non-aggressive about it. The man was very clear that he was he was solid in his conviction and was not feeling like being at all flexible in that moment. If we go places where people are inflexible and we butt heads with them, we get nowhere. If we go and, like it was suggested, um, offer something that is unexpected, in response to that, we might have a crack in the veneer. I think the purpose of religion is one of transformation. And if we predetermine, if we think about it a lot and decide what that transformation is going to be or how it will happen or um, how we are going to go about it to make it so, we've already guaranteed our failure. Those who gain the benefits, the deep, lasting benefits of any tradition are people, even if they walk away from it at some point because it no longer lines up with their understanding, even if they walk away from it because humankind in that tradition have been really disappointing, if they walk away from it for going towards something or away from something, the only people who have gotten lasting benefits while they were there are people who were devoted to it who had some kind of a deep commitment to it and who were willing to be transformed by it. The Idiot's God said at some point in its scripture or philosophy, each of the faiths that it covers, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Juda Judaism, and Christianity, each makes reference to the limited power of human reason as final vehicle for contact with the infinite. Something simpler and more innocent is required for true realization, more innocent. How do any of us in adulthood again become innocent, become childlike? Not going to get there thinking about it. Something simpler and more innocent is required for true realization, something beyond logic. This is not a comfortable notion for most people. And it feels contrary to the things that we understand about survival, uh, about responsibility. The things, the, 
tools that we get we gather over a lifetime in order to navigate the world around us seem to be almost diametrically opposing to that idea. But they only serve in some capacities. I think pretty much all of us are born with a gap in our makeup. And that gap can't be filled with intellectual pursuits or activities or emotional stimuli. I mean, it, it's something different and it's a piece of us that needs filling for, in order for us to feel whole. I think all of the traditions try to help us deal with that piece. And I think dealing with that is what carries us beyond suffering. It isn't going to make the world not be painful. It isn't going to make um, us live forever or, or escape um, health problems or challenges with other people. What it does is fill us in a way that allows us to do all of those things. from compassion, with loving kindness for other people. And again, I say it's a lifetime journey. I will never be able to do that all the time. I just can't imagine. But I can devote myself more and more to the idea of that so that I can carry it with me to heal the world around me through the practices of whatever tradition. I think religion tells us it's important. Whether you do it as part of a religious community or as part of your own home practices or out serving the world. If somebody cuts you off in traffic, Surrounding that person with the intention of light, no matter what comes after. <laughs> Religions offer ways of considering and approaching what we can't understand. The very mystery of existence. They try to offer maps for growing, and lenses through which we might come to learn more about ourselves, the world around us, the people around us, our own natures, value, capacity, and beauty. Living into them teaches and requires devotion and willingness, but it is a journey that is for all of us. And I think it's good. <laughs> <laughs>